Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Well, in case you didn't notice from the song service, we're going to be talking a bit about prayer today. And uh, God listens when you genuinely pray. Now, one author described it this way. He said, prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. I like that description. Some parents teach their kids to pray by teaching them repetitious prayers. Maybe you've heard some of them. You know, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Or, Heavenly Father, kind and good, we thank Thee for our daily food. We thank Thee for Thy love and care. Be with us, Lord, and hear our prayer. And then there's one at bedtime. Uh, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray Thee, Lord, my soul to keep. May God guard me through the night and wake me with the morning light. And if I die before I wake, I pray Thee, Lord, my soul to take. Now, those memorized little prayers, you can help teach a child to say a prayer. But you're not teaching them to pray when you do it that way. You're teaching them to say a prayer. There's a difference. When we're actually praying, you need to use words that come from the heart. Use words that go from your heart to God's heart, connecting you. Not just memorized words, but real conversations. That's what God wants to receive. So, what if Megan and I are working together tomorrow, and I say to Megan, I say, uh, you know, something like, Megan, I I love working with you. Uh, It's a blessing. You have great skills. You do a terrific job managing the office of the church, and you're fun to work with, and it's a joy and a blessing in my life. Well, she might look like this, you know, if I said something like that to her. (laughs) Everybody likes a little positive feedback, right? And then what if the next day I came in and I said the same thing, Megan, I love working with you. You do a terrific job managing the office at church. Uh, You have a good attitude. Uh, You're fun to work with. And I said the same thing on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday. By the end of the week, she might look more like this. (laughs) She... She might be sitting out. These are public domain. (laughs) These are snips from her Tuesday talks. So I could have got worse. But see, what what if, if that's how I phrased it? Do you think Megan would be happy? I think... By Friday, I started into it. If I said, Megan, I love working with you, she'd just be like tuning out. Like, I've heard this before. (laughs) Yes, she put her uh, noise-canceling headphones on. We have had that occur in the office before. (laughs) And Oh, were you saying something? (laughs) Um, But uh, I I can just turn my hearing aids off. It does the same thing, noise-canceling, you know. Uh, but, but 
See, what God, God does not want repetition either. Look at these words from Jesus talking about how not to pray. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions, empty repeating words as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard by their, and for their many words. Now, some denominations, um, Orthodoxes and Greek, Russian, um, and um, Eastern Orthodox and Catholic Church, they use rosary beads. They use memorized prayers. Now, there's nothing wrong with using the Book of Common Prayer if you pray it from your heart. There are times when I pray scripture or I sing songs of worship to God, and God loves to hear me sing, even if nobody else does. Uh, but, but it's okay to use those words, even though somebody else wrote them, if they're coming from your heart. But if you're just going through rote, you're going through, this is what I do, this is when I do it, uh, I, I know a guy, and he has a specific prayer. He says, every day at 3 o'clock. The exact same prayer every day at 3 o'clock. He just picked 3 o'clock to be the time he would do that prayer. And if he means it from his heart, that's an okay prayer. But if his beeper goes off, oh, ah, 3 o'clock, time to say the prayer. Boom. That's not praying. Praying is from your heart to God's heart. And so uh, when we pray, what God wants is soul-stirring prayers. Soul-stirring prayers. So that your inside, your soul and spirit, your heart, are connecting with God's soul, with God's heart. Uh, and so you have an open line of communication from humanity to divinity. That's what God wants to hear. And these are prayers that engage your heart and soul, not just your mind. Prayers that draw your heart toward the heart of God, that turn your attention away from the things of this world and toward more eternal concerns. Uh, look in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 15. We're doing a series through Ephesians called, In Him. Uh, we're focusing on our relationship with God, on connecting with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so we're doing this whole series through this book. And last week we looked at all the different ways in which in him is quoted in the first 14 verses of this uh, letter. And the week before we looked at uh, election and predestination and how God has predestined us toward certain things that affect our life on earth, not just our life in heaven. And so you can watch those on our YouTube channel. You can listen to those on our podcast if you miss those less messages. Uh, verse 15, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19. 
And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Heavenly Father, as we look in your word and we think about prayer, we are so grateful that you are our Father, that we don't call on you as the the deity out there who's mad at us and we're trying to appease him. We call unto you as a loving Heavenly Father who made it possible for our sins to be forgiven through the work of Jesus Christ, who loves us and adopts us and makes us part of his eternal family, We are thankful that when we pray, you listen. We pray that you would stir our hearts, encourage us, strengthen us, and convict us where we're not doing well. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, within the pages of Scripture, we find many examples of people praying together, praying alone, praying for one another. We find uh, praying for their family. We find praying for their friends, praying for their enemies, praying for their nation, praying for their church. Uh, We find people asking for God's forgiveness, asking for God's provision, asking for God's protection, for God's direction, and for God's blessings. And Paul greatly valued intercessory prayer. That's where you pray on behalf of someone else. Now, Becky was recently in the hospital, and we were all praying for her, and she was happy to have people praying for her. When Kennedy was in the hospital out in California, we had people all around our church and our community and other places praying for Kennedy, and uh, maybe the reason she did so well is because I was praying for her, don't you think? (laughs) But because many of us were praying for her and caring... That intercessory prayer, we appreciate that. We value that. The Apostle Paul did as well. There are times when he asked people, pray specifically these things. And there were a lot of times when he said, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying about these things in your life. In these few verses, he's going to share a couple of big ideas that help focus his prayers for the people in Ephesus. So he starts out in verse 15 by saying, here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. Now, in our culture, it's a lot easier to communicate in different places. Uh, Kathy's older sister lives in England. How long has she been there? Since 89. So you can calculate that. She's been there for a long time. And uh, we send pictures back and forth. Voxer's an app you can get on your phone. We have a family chat on Voxer, and she'll send stuff. And I've got a niece who lives over there. She visits here every few years, uh, but she's lived over there her entire life. Uh, but I have a relationship with her because we send stuff back and forth, and we interact. She started a new job this week, and we were all, hey, you know, how's the new job? And she's given feedback, and it was great. And, and so, so it's a lot easier to connect with people today than it has ever been. Uh, and we do video chats with each other. We send texts back and forth. 
Uh, Kathy has a sibling chat. I have a sibling chat. And, and, you know, Paul didn't have that. So when Paul said, here's what I heard, he didn't say, hey, man, I got your text. I got your Marco Polo. I got your Vox. I got the video. I was checking out your YouTube channel. He didn't have any of that. He didn't, they didn't even have letters that you could put in the mail with a stamp on them. They had letters they would write on a scroll, and they had to handwrite them all, and then they had to have somebody then carry that from one location to another location. And so when Paul said, I heard, it took somebody over here to put forth the effort to write it down, and then somebody to put forth the effort to transfer it from there to here, and then Paul could open it and read it. You know, we have a lot of technology, but if you don't take the time to connect with people, then you're not, you're going to miss out. They're going to not know what's going on in your life. You're going to not know what's uh, going on in their life. Yesterday, we had some of us guys got together for an accountability group at AJ's house. Larry and I were there, but when they went to working out with the heavyweights, Larry left. We didn't want to embarrass those young guys. <laughs> and, um, so, <laughs> so but, but, you know, we connected, we talked, we shared things. And we need to do stuff like that in our lives. Uh, we, we build connection by communication. That's how we build our connection with God, and that's how we build our connections with one another. So Paul said, here's what I heard. What was the first thing he heard in verse 15? Yeah, heard about their faith in the Lord. Their faith in the Lord. So everybody has faith every day. When you walked in here today, you had faith. I'm not talking about faith that... The Holy Spirit was going to speak to you in God's word and God's mess. Yes, that's true, and that's part of our faith in the Lord. But you also had faith in the chair you're sitting in. I, I didn't see anybody come in and, like, push on the chair and kind of squat down a little and push. And, okay, it looks like it could hold me. Let's try it. Oh, yep. Ah, it worked. <laughs> In fact, I saw some of the kids walk up to the chair and kind of launch themselves into it. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with arthritis. But I can't always time how I would land. But, but we had faith. You have faith that the ceiling's not going to fall down on you. You have faith that the car you were in, unless you walked to church, the vehicle you were in was going to get you here. When you put your key in or push the button, uh, you had faith that it would start. Most of the time, cars do what they're supposed to do. And so you made it here today. We exercise faith all the time. Uh, this afternoon, you're going to have faith that the food you swallow is going to go through your throat, down your esophagus, into your stomach, and it's not going to pop out your belly button. You're going to have faith that it's going to go where it's supposed to go and stay where it's supposed to stay and be processed, if you're eating healthfully, into nutritious things that benefit your life. You have faith that after you exhale, you'll be able to inhale again. So we live by faith every day. That's life. 
But it's not just that they had faith. They had faith in the Lord. See, I was talking with a lady who was going through some problems. This was quite a few years ago. And she was in the process. She ended up losing custody of her kids. But, but she, was, she, she, had, she had been addicted to different drugs. And, and she, the state decided she was a risk to her children. And so she lost custody of her kids. But before that, she came in and she talked to me. She said, I just know it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out because I just got to have faith. Got to have faith. Got to have faith. Well, see, you can manufacture faith. You can have faith and faith and faith. But it's faith in the Lord. So having faith, you can't manufacture it. And this lady was all hyped up on having faith. And I stopped her several times and I said, look, what you need is faith in the Lord. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to put your faith and trust in him. You need to follow his path. And everybody who genuinely follows the Lord, they end up being better parents, better workers, better human beings. Because God gives us instruction in his word that guides us and protects us. And so she didn't do any of that. She just kept, faith, I got to believe it's going to all work out. She did not change her lifestyle. She did not change her drug usage. And she ended up losing things that she thought were very important. Her kids, her house, her marriage. Why? Because faith is not enough. Faith is enough for salvation if your faith is in the Lord. But remember, Peter said, add to your faith virtue and knowledge and all these things. So you need to build a life of faith, not just have faith. So Paul said, I heard about their faith in the Lord. And then what else did they hear about in verse 15? Love for all the saints. Love for all the saints. If we'd been quick enough, I would have had Joel take a picture this morning. We would have snuck that into the PowerPoint, and you would have looked up and seen yourself on there. Uh, We can't do it that quickly. But if you have a heart for Jesus, you're going to develop a heart for his people. So I like somebody saying, I, I heard it when I was a kid. I don't remember where I heard it from. But to live above with saints we love, that will be glory. To live below with saints we know, that's another story. (laughs) And and see, sometimes we don't get along with people as well as we should, but we need to work at it. If you are in this room today and you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you're my brother or sister in Christ. And that includes one of my kids and several of my grandkids. They're my brother or sister in Christ. Because being in him is what makes a difference. And so there are believers today who are not following God's word the way I think it should be followed, the way it should be understood. They're still my family. In the same way that I have a brother who lives down in Tucson, and we're very different. Uh, When he got out of the Air Force, he retired from the Air Force after like 29 years. And the only time he ever gets a haircut is when he donates it. I told him, why do they want old gray hair? And he said, because some people who have cancer uh, are old gray-haired people and they want a gray-haired wig. 
And so he donates his hair, and that's the only time he ever gets a haircut. I got a picture of him with his one of his sons and long hair and big bushy mustaches. And, you know, but, but our values are a little different. How he spends his time is different than mine. But you know what? He's still my brother. And sometimes we have appointments at the VA that we can line up and he'll have one first and then we'll eat lunch together in between and then I'll have mine or vice versa. Sometimes we'll go to our doctor appointments and then go to lunch. And uh, we enjoy hanging out together. Even though he would not want to live in my house and I would not want to live in his house, we're family. And that's how it is in the Lord. We're family in Christ. So the love for the saints is a natural outgrowth of faith in the Lord. If you have genuine faith, then the faith that I have in Christ causes me to my brothers and sisters in the Lord, they're acceptable to Jesus. They need to be acceptable to me. We need to work at that and trust it. Uh, So when we are Uh, following the Lord, when we are serving him, Paul learned to show love to people who had despised him and to people he would have totally ignored before he came to know Christ. And when he heard about their love for other people, he was thrilled because every believer on the planet is your brother or sister in Christ. We'll spend eternity. We should show love and be gracious now. That's the way Jesus would want us to live. So he said, here's what I heard. And because of what I heard, now he shares something else. Here's what I hope. Here's what I hope. I like this picture. Uh, There's the sun bursting through the tree. There's some fog on the ground. The fog's going to burn off. There's going to be clarity eventually, but right now it's still kind of hazy. That's a great image for hoping. Uh, And so he says in verse 16, he says um, that I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And then he talks about what he hopes and in his prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power." Here's what I hope. The first thing that he hoped to see in their life is that they would have wisdom and insight as they follow Christ. That they would have wisdom and insight as they follow Christ. That's what he was talking about here. So that we will be trusting in God's goodness. Now, some people are just mean. Some people think it's funny to hurt other people. We have specific psychological designations for people like that, and they're not good. Those people are scary. Some people are just so self-centered, they don't really care about you. You know, we, we had somebody uh, in our church, uh, the, the family, after he passed away, the family did not want to have a memorial service. 
And I said, but it's good for the people left behind. It's good to focus on it. And she said, no, no, my sister would come down and make it all about her. Even though she had lost her husband, her sister would make it all about herself. Don't point fingers, but how many of you know of somebody like that? They try and make it all about them. And there are people who do that. And then there are people who genuinely love and care for people, but they're really not very good at showing it. The old stoic, you know, men don't say I love you. Jesus did. Toughest man who ever lived did. Jesus, you can say I love you. I, I was working on church staff in Texas, and I, one of the guys was uh, on the phone, and he said, ditto, and then hung up the phone. I said, ditto? Well, what's that? He said, well, I didn't want you guys to make fun of me if I said I love you to my wife because they would harass me. And I was like, what? You know? So the next time I was in the office and there were several people around and I was talking to Kathy on the phone, I said, I love you, babe. Can't wait to give you a hug when I get home. Mm. And I hung up the phone. Not one of them said a word because they knew it wouldn't bother me if they harassed me. I, I love her. I'm extremely grateful to have her in my life. And I want her to know that. Ditto. You know, we need to be able to show our love. We need to be able to talk about it. Now, that's a code I'm going to use with Dawson sometime. Hey, Dawson, ditto. But I'm not going to use that with my wife. We need to learn how to communicate it. And Paul wants us to trust in the goodness of God. Trust in his goodness so that we can learn to trust and follow him no matter what. Like when Daniel was taken captive in Babylon, he had to submit to a pagan king. He didn't protest against the king. He was faithful to God by being faithful to the king. He didn't corrupt his values. He stayed true to his values. But that king eventually became a believer because Daniel earned the right to be heard by being faithful and loyal at his job. There are Christians today who think it's their job to correct every wrong in the world. It's your job to show the heart of Jesus to the people around you. That's your job. If God allows you to straighten some of the problems on earth, that's great, but don't make that your mission. Your mission is to be a missionary for Jesus. And Daniel had much greater and farther reaching ministry in Babylon than he ever would have had in Judea if he had not been taken captive. So they also needed to trust in God's guidance trust in his goodness and trust in his guidance. Sometimes we get confused. We're not sure. Kathy and I were on vacation once and we're driving down the freeway and we're following GPS. And this was when GPS was a little bit newer. It's better today, but it's still not fully accurate. And so we're driving down the street and we're coming to the freeway exit, and Kathy sees a hotel over there, and it's the same name as the hotel we're looking for. And she said, oh, that must be ours. And I pull off the freeway, and that's the way over to that hotel, and GPS says, go that way. 
I said, oh, there must be another one down here. We get six miles down that road. We're out in the middle of farm country. <laughs> There's nothing out there. And it says you've arrived at your destination. <laughs> and she booked the hotel. So I'm looking at her. We turned around. We drove back. And, and they said, oh, yeah, the GPS always sends you to the wrong place. And, and it did that to me the first time I was going to the Qualls house. It sent me the wrong way. And so the other day I was pulling up to their house and I thought, I wonder what if GPS has it figured out. So there's one last right turn. I'm like three houses away from their house. And I pushed GPS for directions and it told me to drive right past their house, then go south, then take another street over, then go north, and then come back on the street that doesn't go through to get to their house. So I don't know if you've noticed that, but GPS on my phone wouldn't send me to your house. But, so we need to trust God's guidance. GPS can mess things up. So can you. But God never does. So when God says, this is how I want my kids to live, this is how his kids should live. Because that's the best way to live, not just for God's pleasure, but for your own, for your own life and your own health and the things that you can learn and understand by following God. He, he talks about in here, wisdom, the skillful use of knowledge. He talks about revelation, divine guidance as you follow the scripture and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge as you learn and understand things. And Joseph and Daniel and Paul, they all understood that Great wisdom came by using the knowledge they had from God and his word and the knowledge from the Holy Spirit. They were diligently and wisely putting that to use in their lives. And because of that, they impacted millions of people through history. When if they had not done that, they would have just lived and died and influenced a few people. But because they did follow God, they did trust him, they did try and have that wisdom and insight as they followed him, they are still impacting lives today, thousands of years later. So don't answer this out loud, but I want you to think about what something you have learned from God's word that has helped you in your life something that you have learned from God's word that has helped you in your life. Make a note of that, think about that, and then look for other things because God is continually revealing himself to you through his word and through his spirit and you can grow and mature in him. We get better at it over time in the same way that the instrumentalists you heard today practice and they get better at it with practice. Second thing that he wants to see in their life is that you would have faith to trust and follow Jesus all through your life. Trust and follow him all through your life. Look at the end of verse 18. He said, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? I skipped over the middle part there. What are the riches of... I'm sorry, what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? We need to have confidence in our eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Confidence in that. 
So some of you trusted Jesus Christ more than 50 years ago. I'm not quite there yet, but some of you did trust Christ more than 50 years ago. And you're just as saved now as you were back then. Uh, You're his child and you'll be his child forever. You are saved because you trusted in Jesus Christ and he keeps you saved. I don't have to get saved again next week. If I mess up this week, I can ask God to forgive me, restore the fellowship, but my relationship is secure. Like, you know, not not our grandkids, of course, but some of you have grandkids that will do something wrong. Now, and if they did something wrong, they'd still be your grandkids. You'd still love them. You'd still care for them. In fact, some of you have adult children that aren't following the Lord, and it doesn't change your love at all. In fact, it drives you to your knees praying for them more often. And we love and we care, and we have a faith relationship with God through Christ that's going to last all through our lives. And he claims us as his own, and he promises to love and care for us all of our days. Now, some of you have had to endure the grief of the spouse who said they would be faithful to you weren't. Some of you have had uh, marriage partners walk out on you, abandon you, and the grief that you've had to deal with that. But when God makes a promise, he keeps his promise. When God said, I'll be faithful, you'll become family, you're his family forever. Now, some of our families are adopted, and and the, the judge said they were becoming part of our forever family. But you know, the really cool thing is, some of those kids have trusted Christ. And they really are part of our forever family. Not just for their entire life on earth, but for all eternity. We're in God's family because God's promises always come true. He lives them out. He doesn't make promises and then not back them up. He follows through. So we need to have confidence in our eternal relationship with Jesus Christ and confidence in our eternal home with Jesus Christ. John 14, Jesus said, I'm going away, and what am I going to do while I'm away? I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's preparing a place for you. He will come, he will welcome you home someday. When I went into the Marine Corps, I was the first one of my siblings to leave Tucson. I was actually born there, but dad was in the military, so... Between when I was born there and when I went to high school there, I also lived in Idaho and Texas and Nebraska and New Mexico, and and so we moved a lot. And in fact, I lived in Tucson four different times between when I was born and when I went in the Marine Corps. Uh, But when I went in the Marine Corps, I was the first one of my siblings to go. And so when I would come home on leave, they would all have a family party, a family get-together every time I came home on leave. And so one time, Kathy picked me up at the airport, and we leave the airport, and then she tells me where we're going. We're going to your brother's house. There's a family party. And so we get up close to my brother's house, and his house was up on a hill. 
and then the road came around this way and swung around and came up to the front of the house. Uh, but they were out in the backyard, and they saw us coming along the street, and they started yelling. And by the time we got up to the front of the house, they're just pouring out of the house, welcoming me home because I was the first one to leave town. And yay, you know, the, the kids, Uncle Terry's here, and the adults, Terry's here, you know. And, and uh, probably my mom saying, my baby's back. Uh, but <laughs> but there, did you know that that's kind of what heaven's going to be like? I mean, we have family in heaven. My mom and dad, my brother, my nephew, we have dear friends. Some of you have spouses that are now with the Lord. They, dear friends, people we have loved and served God with, and when we get to heaven, it's going to be this big welcoming time. It's going to be joyful. You know, when, whenever I see the grandkids, one of the first things I do is, is hug them, hug them all, and then I try and hunt down the one who didn't, get a hug yet (laughs) and heaven's going to be like that we're going to be hugging and laughing and joyful we have an eternal home in Christ he's made sure of it and so you'll be home with your eternal family people who've been eagerly waiting to see you and people who've never met you yet who'll be thrilled to meet you and spend eternity with you. You'll be in the presence of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is part of Paul saying that you would have faith to trust and follow Jesus. He wanted to see that confidence in their relationship in Christ, and that confidence in their eternal home. And then the third area here that he addresses is that you would trust his ability to always accomplish what he knows is best. Trust his ability to always accomplish what he knows is best. You know, sometimes you and I don't have the skills to do what we good for us to do on earth. But God has the skills to accomplish everything that he wants to see happen on earth. He has all power. Now, if he didn't use it the way you would like to accomplish what you would want, it's because he's trying to accomplish something different, something better. Look at verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? Now, I don't know if you're familiar with electricity, but, but in, say the outlets that we have around here, normal outlet like you'd have in your house, what's the current going into those? Yeah, 110. Some of them are 115, but most of them are just 110. What if you hooked 440 up to that? And then plug your little 110 lamp into that 440. You would have an enlightening moment. <laughs> and and it, it would stir you out of your lethargy. Uh, why? Because it couldn't handle the juice. Well, what he's saying here is God's juice is beyond our calculation. We're not talking plugging 110 into 440. We're talking plugging 110 into 20 billion. He's got the capacity to blow us away. And so he's talking about God's ability 
to do things. Now, when God allows something in your life that you wish he didn't, we've all experienced that in one way or another. When God allows something in your life that you wish he didn't, it doesn't mean that he's no longer listening to your prayers. It doesn't mean that he is not loving. What it means is that he can see more and he can see further and he knows what will ultimately work best in his plans on earth. Now, your life is part of his plans, but his plans don't center around you. Shocking, I know. His plans, you're part of his plans. He doesn't ignore you, but he doesn't build everything around you either. The power that mightily worked in Jesus so that he could be raised from the dead is the same power that is working in your life and on your behalf. As the old song says, God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. God has the capacity to do it. So if he's not using his power the way you would want to see it, the problem is not God, it's you. You're not seeing what he wants to do. You're missing it. Now, those of you who wear glasses, do you have a specific place you put them before you go to bed? I do. When we stay in a hotel or stay somewhere that's not our house, I always tell Kathy, I'm putting my glasses here. Now, that way I can find them again. And I tell her in case I forgot where there was, she can guide me. Because with my glasses off, I can't find my glasses. I, I don't see well enough to find them. So I'm walking around looking at furniture. No, they're not here. Let's go find some other piece of furniture. So we have limitations. God is unlimited. We have finite capacity. I was watching some of those guys bench pressing some, some weight. And some of it was impressive. But, but we have finite limitations. The greatest weightlifter on the planet cannot lift everything. But God can do anything. He has no limitations. And, and so uh, I want you to think, look in verse 20. He, he stretches our mind. He said, which he worked, this power, mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So what happened before he raised Jesus from the dead? Jesus died. And before he died, he suffered beyond our capacity to comprehend, taking on himself the sins of all the world, all the judgment of all the sins of all the people all at once, all on him. And because of our own sinful choices, we deserve death, but Jesus died in our place by God's amazing grace. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
And just as Jesus was then exalted by God after his death, burial, and resurrection, now someday we will receive our rewards after the suffering and difficulties of this present life. If we are faithful, he will faithfully reward us. If we are not, he will not. And we can trust and follow him. And then he says in verse 21, far above all principality. How high did God raise Jesus? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So there's some pretty arrogant leaders in our world today. And Paul, writing way back then, said, even when those guys rise up later, he's still better. Jesus is far better. So he's the central person in all of heaven and earth. He's the most significant person in all of human history. The only one who is righteous and holy enough to die in your place and in mine. The one who had dominion and power and might beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension. The one we will praise and worship forever. We call him the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's our great high priest. He's the one who saves to the uttermost all who come to him, and then he makes intercession for those who trust in him. So Paul said, here's what I hope. And he writes about what he hopes to see in their lives. And we looked at these three things he's hoping to see. Are your hopes for the people on your prayer list aligned with Paul's hopes for the people in Ephesus? When you pray for people, do you pray, you know, I hope their stubbed big toe heals. It's okay to pray for that. But let that be the little prayer after the big prayer for the spiritual needs in their life, the spiritual needs in their heart. That's We should focus on your hopes for the people on your prayer list should align with Paul's hopes for the people in Ephesus. Are you praying soul-stirring prayers? Prayers that draw your soul toward God's soul? Prayers that focus on the soul needs of the people around you? Life hurts. That's life. When Megan was little, her older brother used to sometimes smack her in the forehead and say, life's tough, wear a helmet. (laughs) He got in trouble whenever his mom heard that. He got laughter from his dad, unfortunately. (laughs) Sorry, Megan. (laughs) Megan's gracious and has forgiven me. Life hurts. But we can trust God and follow him even when life hurts because he's God. He's doing this big, huge thing that's way bigger than you. And someday in heaven, we're going to see the full glory of what he was doing on earth in our lifetime. And we'll be blown away. You can trust him. You can follow him. And you should have soul-stirring prayers for other people. Now, it's okay to have some physical prayers, to have some proximity prayers. You know, it's okay. But let your heart really focus on the deep things of prayer. 
Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.